Hi, everyone. Welcome to the... the <laughs> try that again. <laughs> uh, the, the tongue just wasn't quite getting through that. Let's try it again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Agenda Podcast, the Gen-Based Podcast. I'm Jen Goldbeck. And I'm Jen Coleslaw. And this week, we're going to do like a how it's made of the Agenda Podcast, the Agenda Podcast process. We thought that you might like a little sneak peek onto what our process is, because I, I think that there's like a misconception that we just wing it every week. And um, those of you who know us in real life know that we're actually pretty together gens. And so we thought we would give you a little uh, glimpse into what it's like to put together a podcast uh, for the agenda. Yeah, we've hinted at the Google Doc before that we keep a lot of our stuff in, um, but only the Google Doc, which is really one part of our process. So do you want me to start with kind of step one-ish, or I guess the the inception inception of an episode? Right. So think of think of, 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 uh, of both of the gens being Julia Roberts with that gif with the numbers floating around <laughs> her head. That's us at at sort of the end of every podcast week when we're thinking about the next week. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, we will do a lot of messaging of each other. We text message, but we also message on Instagram and we message on Twitter and sometimes from different accounts. So this is a more disorganized part of our process is communicating with each other about stuff that we think is interesting and potentially could make it into an episode. But but that's kind of how the ideas start for each like theme of the week. And sometimes we find these articles ourselves, but often we get them from our assistants and our interns that we have uh, working for us. Yeah, it's a hard thing to comb the news, even if there's a specific thing you're looking for. Like I have a a side Twitter account called Don't Bite Anyone that's just stories of people getting arrested for biting other people. Um, (laughs) uh, It's really fun and like I love doing it. And I'll find a bunch of stories and I'll queue them up. And then like right now we're in a phase where I've just forgotten about it for months. And that's like one narrow little task. So for something like a podcast where we're recording pretty regularly and we want to look for kind of interesting stuff, like we both have other jobs and that's too much for us to do on our own. So we have staff. Mm -hmm. And they're always looking for crazy stories about something or another interesting stuff to taste test that may become the hook for an episode. And they, they, they compete with each other for what is the wackiest story. Because one of the things that we had written into our contract, when Jen and I agreed to do this podcast together, we had our lawyers write into our contract that we each have to bring three wacky stories to the table every week. And so the interns and the assistants really work hard to make sure that the three stories are the most bonkers and off the chain stories out there every week. Because it's, it's a tough room. Like you guys may have read like the onion, the satirical newspaper, the onion. Um, They, they have this process where like, if you want to get a headline on the onion, you pitch the room of other writers with your headline and they all have to laugh at it. And their goal is kind of to not laugh at it. So it's very competitive to get something that people are going to respond to. And, and when I first read about that, I was like, it's pretty similar to our room 
pitching the the kind of ideas for the podcast and how everybody's really trying to give you a hard time about it and make sure it's great. And so it has to be really good to get a response and make it into an episode. So once we have our three, each of us brings our three ideas to the table, we hand them off to our fact checkers. And we use a fact checking service that we actually pay for um, to make sure that we're not um, unduly influencing the fact checkers by saying, oh, come on, you know, it's true. You know, so we actually <laughs> use a service um, and, and, and we think they do a pretty good job. Um, because you know, the, the chances of us getting like duped by a really bad story, um, that ends up not being true, you know, like that could really happen. Like we're busy people. Um, but, but there are some crazy stories out there. Like, do you remember that story about the emotional support kitten that rode on an alligator that rode on a lawn Roomba and it ended up like we like I totally bought into like I wanted that story to be true so badly and you were like are you sure that's a true story let's run that by the fact checkers and of course it ended up not being a, a true story I mean I got caught by those too there was a story about a guy who uh, a child sex offender who was breaking into the bedroom of like a seven and a nine-year-old girl through the window and he was attacked by their pit bull who bit his penis off and he went to the hospital. And it, it like you can look this up on Snopes because it turns out it's not true. But there's a whole picture of the guy like in a hospital bed with his like legs splayed out and a kind of bloody wrapping around his bits. I was 100% convinced by that story. It's like it's got a dog. It's got like a guy getting his just desserts, which we have a whole section on. And uh, and I was wrong about it. And I like, I do this as a job is look for fake news. And that one got me too. So it's, it's easy, especially when you're looking for kind of wacky stories to get roped in by ones that are, are too perfect. And so this is why if you have a fact checking service, they're actually the ones that are liable and not us. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things we've learned in our continuing education law classes that we both take. Yeah. You don't want to be putting out bad information, or at least we don't, right? There are other podcasts that do that kind of thing, but not us. That's right. That's yep. right. So once the fact checkers um, uh, sign off on our three stories, um, uh, we usually uh, pick two. Yep. Um, and we literally uh, put them in a hat. And one of the husbands, either Ingo or Ben, uh, pulls them out of the hat. Um, and um, and that, that has worked out pretty well for us. Um, you don't want it to get into a situation where it's like, God, we're always doing like Jen Coleslaw's stories or Jen Goldbeck's right. stories or ideas, right? So the pulling out of the hat makes it just like it's there's a random element to it, which is good. And the husbands switch off every week. Yep. Just like Jen and I switch off saying so, like the saying the sign off every week, the husband switch off every week. Um, so once once we have the two good stories, and um, let's say it's for like the like our hot dog topic, um, then we hand it off to the writers' room, mm -hmm. and the writers' room is really where a lot of the magic happens. Yeah, it's it's a challenge not just to write interesting content, but to write it in the voices of the people that you're writing for. Um, that's a thing. Like when I started like guest hosting at WAMU and filling in on the Kojo Namdi show one, like I would try very much to write in Kojo's voice for the billboards, which is the sort of like 
preview like right when the show starts at the top of the hour you get a preview and then they go to like the news in the break like roundup i would try to make it sound like kojo because even though i'm obviously not him people are used to the show being in that kind of particular voice and it took me a couple months to learn how to you know write the one page summary of what we were going to talk about in the voice of Kojo, but his producers were so good at it. And you can just look at a script, even if it didn't have a title and know, oh, you know, it was written for Kojo versus like Diane Reem or something because they learn how to do that. And that's, that's a real talent that our writers have is being able to write in our unique voices. Yeah, I I consider myself a very good writer and I would be hard pressed to be able to write in your voice, even though it is very distinct. Same. And it is not subtle. But the only thing I think I could ever really say in your voices would be, um, and he went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like every at the end of every sentence, I would have to say that um, in order to make sure that people knew that I was writing for you. So it's not easy. So thankfully, you know, we, we pay our writers really well. And, um, and they have very good benefits, uh, because that's important to us. And they're it's a union shop. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's important to us as well. Absolutely. And so um, we feel like they treat us with the respect that we treat them. And I think that's really important, too. I think that really shows in our authenticity uh, that we bring to the podcast. And, you know, we want to make sure for them that, I mean, they're probably picking favorites between the two of us. Like the writers probably have their favorite gens, but we we wouldn't want it either way that all the good stories are going to like one gen or the other because like this week whatever like I yelled at the writers last week because they screwed something up and so this week like all the really good stories go to Jen Coleslaw so we have a system for managing that too right and plus we give them a lot of treats I mean they they deserve it um aside from the fact that they're union and we respect labor like we want them to feel appreciated and uh yeah yeah. So, um, you know, we also, um, there are times when there's a story that we both want to pitch mm-hmm. and the writers just will stay out of it. Like they won't advocate or, or they'll just stay out of it. So we have this, um, this process that's, it's kind of complicated, but I think it works for us. And that is that we each get a bag of baby carrots And then we each have a biohazard box that we put our dog syringes in because we each have a dog that has diabetes. And then in like 20 seconds, the one who can throw the most baby carrots in the biohazard box, that's the one that gets to pitch the story. But I got to say, I sometimes am uh, kind of predisposed to lose this because when we don't have a regular sharps container, we use old um, like laundry detergent bottles and the top of those is just so small that it's hard for me to get the baby carrots in there from, from a distance. Well, and we use limeade, uh, containers most Mm -hmm. of the time too. Uh, but you know, we have, we, we use what we have on hand and there's always so many stories to go around so that mostly that's just sort of a gag that we do because the writers love it when, they think that we're beefing between us. We're furiously and, chucking carrots around. <laughs> you know, and they're like throwing money on a table and they're betting on who's going to get the most carrots in. And, you know, like, so that's more like for their, I mean, we're probably telling <laughs> secrets that they're going to be like, wait, they they know that we're betting on them. Yes, we know that you're betting on us, dudes. Like, come on. 
Uh, but anyway, it's it's a fun little thing. I mean, we try to make it fun. I mean, that's a serious business, but we try to make it fun. Yep. Um, so um, so that gets us to like uh, Tuesday, uh, which is the before the Monday that we podcast, right? Right. So, so um, and we record on Mondays, which is like now, and it's time for us now to meet with the marketing team. Yep. Um, which are, you know, like a bunch of hip, um, you know, Gen Zers and millennials and uh, a couple of Gen Xers um, just to, you know, make sure that, you know, everything runs on time, I guess. I don't know. why We need a good there. coverage of the audience too, right? Like we right. want to pick sponsorship deals that's going to resonate with the range of people who listen to the podcast. So they are busy coming up with good sponsorships for us. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we come like bounding into the meeting going, oh, my God, we really need the Johnny Pops people to sponsor <laughs> us because we love Johnny Pops so much. And we've mentioned them like 30 times on the podcast. Um, and so, um, like, I really love audible.com mm -hmm. and I would love for them to sponsor us and MailChimp. Like, I don't know why MailChimp doesn't do more sponsorships of podcasts. Like, they totally should. Yeah. Um, and then what is, what is you you have a couple favorite things that you want uh, to us to get sponsored by. We got to get in on, like, the meal prep kit racket, oh, like Purple gosh. Carrot and HelloFresh. Like, any of them would be fine. Um, I'd like some of those sent to me. <laughs> I'd like to be pushing them. It it feels in line with our our kind of vibe. You know, you're making food. It you know get to try new stuff. So hopefully we'll end up there. Yeah, a cupcakes. Any cupcakes could yeah. cupcakes could always sponsor us as well. Georgetown <laughs> cupcake. Do you know how many cupcakes I have bought from you during the pandemic? Give me a coupon code. Coupon <laughs> code agenda for twenty percent off. <laughs> so the marketing meetings are always kind of fun because we often have like samples of stuff to try that marketing has brought in. And mm -hmm. do you like this? Do you want us to pursue it? Because we'll only push things that we have tried that we like. Um, you know, we're not like those big podcasters that, you know, will just start looking for the scratch, right? Like we would only support things that we personally would support. I mean, like I tried the Madison Reed stuff right which like all the podcasts push the madison read like hair color and it does not work for me my gray hairs are still gray after i use it and i think it's a lovely product and i think it does great stuff for some people but it doesn't work for me so we're not going to advertise it and we're definitely not going to get the ashley madison um <laughs> sponsorship i should have been more careful talking shit about them but <laughs> i don't know that i want their money anyway yeah no That's i don't okay. think we do i don't we think they're a little predatory um yeah for sure yes so, so go ahead. No, no, you go. So, so that's the marketing meeting. Um, I just want to make sure I'm in the right spot in the process here. Um, oh, and then the focus group, I was going to skip over the focus group on Wednesdays. Um, because that's where we do our table read. I was, I was going to jump right ahead to like, and then we take a break before we, you know, move on to the next step, but we have to do the table read first. So go through the script, get suggestions, um, figure out what we're going to taste that week. That's all that's one, on. That's, yeah. that's a good, that's a good day. That's when our staff consumable, our, uh, consumable coordinator comes with snacks for us to try. 
Mm-hmm. And some of those come from like the people requesting sponsorships, but others is just like interesting stuff that like friends have sent us that's kind of in the closet of consumables. Um, some of it's fun stuff that we find online that we try or that the staff finds and think we might want to try. So there's a, a lot of options that come in there. And the staff consumables coordinator is also a bit of a, 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 a what's that called when they when you when everything's you make sure everything's cohesive, like they make sure that the things that we're talking about, you know, that the just desserts actually works out for us. Like if we're talking about hot dogs, then we're trying hot dogs. Our recipe is hot dogs. Or if we're talking about pineapple, we're trying pina coladas and stuff like that. So they make sure continuity. Yep. They're our continuity editor as well as for food. So, you know, they look at what our three stories were, what our two stories were that we narrowed it down to, what our topic is for the week. They listen in on the table read and then they go, okay, based on all of these things, I have five items for you to choose from that is your consumable. It can also really help us refine the script at this like last stage where it's just like, ah, uh, like, like with the pina colada episode, we had this where it's like, okay, like we've got, you know, all these sort of pineapple or coconut related stories, but the consumables there really helped tie that together, right? To be well, like, we've really got this. Did. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, it really seems like, like we, we, we know we, we clearly, we have all these meetings and we have all the staff and everything. We've got all these people, but sometimes it's just like, the light bulb goes on yep, and it's like the refrigerator light. Right. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden the whole podcast comes together. Yep. And that's really kind of magical, isn't it? I really love it when that happens. It totally is. Like it's a fun day, no matter what to like both do the table read and like try the stuff that we're going to try in the podcast. But but I think we're both really passionate about the consumables. And so when they become a thing that like, really solidifies that episode like that is pretty awesome it feels like that's the thing we're trying to do every time yeah i mean there's a reason why they call us the guinea pigs (laughs) so um because we'll try pretty much anything like they know not to give a not to give you meat and they know not to give either one of us anything fishy so they're really good about not trying to talk us into something that we won't eat but um but we really will kind of try anything so um and, and then this also allows us to try something and then everyone listens on their headphones to just see how annoying the sound of us eating is. Because they're, uh, you know, and we were really pushing it with the caramels. Like those were tough. Um, though that was more... The cheese crunchies, though. <laughs> Top notch. Like someone I think would pay for that sound separate from listening to her We really should make a cameo. <laughs> and only oh fans. Oh no. I mean, OnlyFans, I think we'd make more money. <laughs> like two gens eat something like into the microphone. Like you tell us what it is, as long as it's not meat or fish, like we'll eat it for you. And you can hear the, ch- oh my God, there's people who have a fetish for that. Oh, and I I'm, smell a side hustle right there. I'm willing to take We need to get money. marketing on that. <laughs> marketing and consumables together. Yeah. They can get investigate the focus the group. They'll have a whole different focus group for that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the focus group is really helpful, though, because they they give us some suggestions like, you know what, that didn't land very well. Mm-hmm. Or do you really want to say that? Because, you know, just last week, someone got pinged on Twitter for that being like a like a not good thing to say or and it, it sort of helps us, um, you know, things that we might not have picked up on or, you know, a different way of wording it or, you know, maybe saying it louder. 
Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever it is. And so the focus groups are really helpful. And of course, they have to sign NDAs. So they're not allowed to talk about what we talk about because we don't want any of the podcast leaking in advance. Um, and every week it's a different focus group. It's a different group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's not like we ever see them again, um, which is fine. Um, and so that is uh, Wednesday. That takes us to Wednesday morning. That's right. And at that point, um, did we do anything on Wednesday morning? I think just Wednesday morning was is staff consumables coordinator and our focus group and table read. And then we take a break. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I have uh, another podcast and other stuff to work on. You certainly do, too. Um, And so uh, Wednesday afternoon and Thursday are kind of time for other projects. And I think it's good. Like, cause we've been so really focused on the episode up until that point to like, just give it a chance to rest and mature and let the flavors blend, so to speak. Um, so then we can come back to it on Friday and feel a little more fresh with it and have a new perspective on it. Right. And it, it gives us a little bit of time to, to, um, you know, one of the, we don't do this every, every episode, but one of the things that we have is our, our our joys and a noise. And so we talk to our uh, spiritual advisors or our therapists or whoever it is that we're talking to these days. Usually it's, it's uh, my dog waffles um, <laughs> about um, the things that were joyful or annoyful so that we process all of that information. So nothing inappropriate comes out during the podcast um, so that we have, we have processed the emotions of the, both the joys and the annoys. <laughs> And I think that's good because I sometimes will just start crying for no reason on my other podcast. And so um, this one is a little bit more professional. And so I don't uh, don't want to do that. So I, I work all that out in therapy. In, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. I don't want to start <laughs> crying on this podcast, which I have also which I have also done on my other podcast. Like and and it's just like even if the thing has those very strong emotions, like if you've just talked it through one time, you're a little more in control of it when you say it the second time, even, even if whatever the underlying stuff is, is still there. And sometimes we, we are each other's. <laughs> Joy or annoy. <laughs> uh, no, well, the, that too. But Depends. sometimes we also just work out our, the things oh. that upset us during the week with each other. Yes. Um, and that helps as well. Uh, because we I think are, quite often we are good friends as well as colleagues. Yep. Uh, no, I mean, that that I think is a really valuable thing and a thing we have to be aware of so we don't slip into that kind of like therapizing each other on the podcast, right? Like kind of working that out ahead of time lets us make sure that we're not like taking it a little bit deeper than it needs to be on this public podcast. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree. We've talked a lot about our ex-husbands. We probably could have worked that out mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in in the dark studio. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, live and learn. Yeah. Um, uh, and speaking of dark studio, we do do a rehearsal on Fridays. Yeah. Um, and we do that with the just a skeleton crew because we do not want any of the podcast leaking. Mm-hmm. And so we run through the whole thing. Um, with just the engineers, uh, and um, they're blindfolded. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't need them can, looking at us. They can hear us, but they cannot see us. Yeah. Um, and um, we do about, I don't know, six takes. 
Yeah. Sometimes it's like there's things that you just stumble on. Sometimes it's like you don't know the right way to present a story and you, you want to try it a few different ways and see how we're each going to respond to that. So then we can have like a really, um, authentic reaction in the moment when we do the final record on Monday. Yeah. I think that what you said earlier about how, when we take a break, we allow the episode to marinate. And I think in doing that, we find new things about it when we're in rehearsal. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even though we've had the table read and we've gotten show notes and we've gotten feedback from the focus group and we've, you know, there's, there's always going to be something new. Yeah. And, you know, that's just what makes this so exciting. Is yeah. That we, we end up finding something, some little kernel, right. To, latch onto that's new and exciting. And, um, and you can, and you, you can it, actually, we can't see the engineer's eyes because they're blindfolded, but <laughs> we, we know that they're going, Oh my God, what are they? They're doing it again. They're going off script, <laughs> but you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that, that I think is part of the point, right? Is that we can have these sort of reactions to what each other's doing. And part of that rehearsal lets us try out like new elements of the conversation with each other to see how well that's going to work. Right. right? Like as, I'll ask you a, a slightly tangential thing to the topic that we have planned out to see if that's going to get a response from you. That's a thing that we want to keep in the final version when we record on Monday or if like, oh, we just have wandered away and then, you know, we can come back and we've got plenty more chances to re-record on rehearsal day. Right. So, so I think the rehearsals are, are good. I mean, I think sometimes we're just like, oh, do we really need to rehearse? I mean, we've just, and then we still find something good about rehearsals. So even though sometimes we're always feeling like we don't need to rehearse and that we should be more spontaneous and we should just do it in one take and no edits. But I think we do, we find value in the rehearsal. And, you know, I think separate from our process, legal is also there for the rehearsal sessions, which is really important. So even if we feel like we're really confident, this material is solid, like we know what we're going to do, we've got to have them there to make sure that, you know, we're not running into issues of copyright or trademark or libel or whatever else, or to just general risk, which they're really good at giving us feedback about. Because there have been a, a few times where, um, you know, we've gone off on a topic and they're like, oh, you can't, you can't do that here. Yeah, they have this, this hand gesture that is like um, when you're reeling in a fish and it, <laughs> that means bring it back reel it in, bring it back. Um, because we, we don't wear like ear things, so we can't, they can't talk to us, but they make hand gestures at us. Um, and we know that we've probably gone a little bit too far. So, um, so that is helpful because no, you know, we don't want to go to jail again. (laughs) I mean, for sure. And they also, uh, can, you know, mitigate any potential disputes between the two of us. Right. So, you know, we've gone through the material a decent number of times at this point. And if one of us starts taking the good lines of the other one, it's nice to have legal there to help kind of mediate any disagreements that come up between us, even if, you know, it's not the kind of thing where a third party would take legal action against us. Right. Because what they do is they, they time each one of us speaking. And at the end of every episode, we look to make sure that we each have equal 
moments of talk time. Yeah. And then if when when it comes time to renegotiate our contract, you know, that's one of the things that we'll use to say, well, you know, Gen C had 45 seconds more 35% of the time. And, you know, like this is a thing, blah, blah, blah. But, but then we let the lawyers work that out because, you know, that's, that's a, what we that's, pay them for. That's what we pay them for. That's right. So, so that takes us to Friday afternoon and we take um, Saturday and Sunday off so I can do my side hustle, which is my mm -hmm. podcast. Um, and then we tend not to speak or text over the weekend so that when we see each other on Mondays, like today, it's, um, everything's like so fresh and surprising. Like we haven't, we haven't like practiced or had been in meetings the whole week or, you know, it's like, we're just sitting down as two friends and just shooting a shit and talking about something ridiculous like hot dogs. It, it really is like such a critical part of every podcast or, or radio process is that you cannot talk about the material before you record because then you're going to have like the most brilliant turn of phrase or interesting comment uh, in that practice. And then it's going to feel either like fake if you try to say it in the recording or you'll forget it or you'll be trying so hard to remember that brilliant way that you said it that it's going to sound incredibly stupid <laughs> because you're stumbling over it. So I, I think it's a, one of the most critical parts of our process is taking that weekend off and not talking before we then actually finally sit down to record on Monday. And it's really hard because even apart from the podcast, we are friends with each other. And so mm -hmm. we're often sending each other ridiculous things that aren't even related to the podcast. Yeah. And so it's hard to not do that over the weekend. And so like Monday comes and I, and, and I'm, as soon as we are in the studio together, I'm like, oh my God, I got to tell you that. <laughs> and we have to spend like 20 minutes like yammering at each other about, oh my yeah. God, your hair looks so good. Oh, what are you wearing? Oh, how's that? <laughs> what's weather like today? Like, like trying to get caught up on the last two days. Like we haven't seen each other in a year. Yep. Um, and that's kind of cute. Um, it's fun. I mean, it makes Mondays like extra exciting, right? I think it's like when you were a kid and you got to like get excited to go back to school on Monday because like your friends were all there and you didn't get to see them. And at least I, I think when both of us were growing up, it's not like we were like on the phone or certainly like texting any of our friends over the weekend, right? If they didn't live nearby, you didn't get to see them until Monday. That's right. sort of how it feels like when we can get to come into the studio and, and finally see each other after a couple of days of not talking. Yeah. So that is how a podcast gets made. Yep. In the agenda media juggernaut. Yeah, stuff happens after we record, but we pay people for that and we're uninvolved in the process. We finish recording and then the professionals bring it to you in its final polished format. And we're already at that point moving on to planning the next week. That's right, because it's almost Tuesday by then and we're already in the meeting with um, with the interns looking at the crazy stories that they've sent us. Yep, exactly. So, but it's, it's a good time and I'm really glad that we do it. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to the time when we can, uh, do big live shows and take oh, questions so from the listeners and the people in the live show and, um, eat things on stage, <laughs> eat things for money. This is back to our only fans. I hope one of the interns has written this down because we're going to have to really <laughs> look into this. 
I'm sure that legal and our husbands are like, oh, God. (laughs) (sighs) But that's all right. Yeah. But anyway, but uh, just so we don't completely like forget about, you know, where we've come from, we do have a couple elements of the usual podcast. And that is uh, about something we ate this weekend. And because we don't have anything for the, the, since we decided we would do a how it's made, we don't have like the staff consumable coordinator didn't have like an item for us to eat this week. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you about something that I ate um, this weekend that was really delicious. Uh, we had a little cookout for Alex and Henry, Alex being my niece and Henry being her husband and Ben made chicken and beef and veggie kebabs. But mm. the best part about it was that he made rice, like real rice we normally buy rice in those like frozen bags. Me too. I haven't had like real rice made like in a pan and he used chicken broth. Mm. It was so good. And I was like, can we just have that all the time now? It was rice so is delicious. one of those things where it's like you have it made well and you're like, I forgot like how delicious this really is as a food. I, I really, I really had forgotten how delicious it was. And they were like two and a half hours late. And so the rice had been sitting on the stove forever. Mm. And so it had gotten really puffy. And so Mm -hmm. it was gloppy and it was still delicious. (laughs) And so, um, and, and I had potato salad that I bought from uh, the grocery store and it tasted just like my mom's potato salad. And I sprinkled dill on it and I called it a day and it was delicious. And I, I mean, it was just, and it was nice having other people make food. I have heard you talk about your mom's potato salad before. Does, is it like a fully savory potato salad or does it like hint towards the sweet end? Oh, no, it's fully savory. So it's, yeah. it was, it's potatoes. Um, a, she she t- doesn't put onion in it because Catherine and I don't like raw onion. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard boiled egg. Mm-hmm. Um, celery. Celery salt, salt and pepper, a little bit of mayonnaise, but not overly mayonnaise-y. Yeah. I think that's it. That that sounds very much like my potato salad, which I learned to make from my mom as well, and is the only potato salad I've had that I liked. So maybe next time we're cooking together, we can try potato salad. Like I'll make a batch of mine. I really like mine with onions, but I'll split it in half and I'll just put the chopped onions in one half for me. And I'll keep it. Yeah. Ben loves onions. I just, I I, I like cooked onions. I just don't like them raw. Yeah. Um, But I can tell you that the potato salad came from Harris Teeter and I was Mm -hmm. shocked at how good it was. That's impressive. And so um, it, it really was tasted just like my mom's potato salad. Oh, that's good to know. I am, yeah. uh, I'm coming up to Maryland, uh, for a couple days for campus meetings at the end of this week. So maybe I'll get Instacart to deliver me some from. Yeah. Harris try Teeter. it out because I think it's, it's pretty good. Awesome. Um, I think that they, Harris Teeter does a good job. And for people who are not in our general area, um, Harris Teeter, Teeter is also called Kroger where other people might live. And then of course it's be the same potato salad. So you can try it out. Awesome. Um, So what did you have this weekend? So uh, Ingo went up to Maryland, I guess last week, last week through last weekend. And he got back a few days ago. It's all a little fuzzy. Um, 
so anyway, he was up there for a few days because the chair that I'm in, I'm sitting in right now was in my campus office. And, uh, the chair that I had in my home office was like, not my favorite chair. Cause I couldn't lean my head back in it. And I was like, I'm going to, it's from Ikea. I'm like, I'm going to order a replacement chair for my home office from Ikea. Do you want anything else from Ikea? I'm going to get the same chair that he a few years ago helped me put into my campus office. He's like, do you want me to just go get the chair from your campus office? And I'm like, driving, doesn't he? He does. He does. I'm like, you're going to have to drive 18 hours each way to get that chair out of my campus office. Like it's not doing me any good there. I don't go to that office. Um, And he's like, that's great. I'll totally do it. So he took the chair from my home office and put it in his car, drove it up to Maryland. Our friend Cody met him on campus. He's a professor there. And they brought the old chair, one chair up and brought the new chair down. And he brought it down to me. So now I'm in this really comfy chair, which is great. Um, So one of the things that we miss most about Maryland is the ability to get takeout food or you know, food delivered. You can't get any food delivered here, which we bitch about all the time on the other podcast. Um, And so when we're there, we try all kinds of different stuff and get it delivered. And two of the things that are really hard to find anywhere down here, one, there's a place called Mandalay in Silver Spring, which is Burmese food. Hmm. It's kind of like a cross between Thai and Indian. It's so delicious. so that's always good, but it doesn't travel well. But I love Indian food. There's no Indian food here in the Keys. And um, maybe a year ago, there was like a new place that popped up on Grubhub. It's called Virage. It's V-I-R-R-A-A-J. They're in Bethesda, um, but they deliver in a pretty pretty wide range around there. It is the most delicious Indian food I have ever had. I love Indian food. It's so good. And it travels and reheats really well. Oh, yay. Yeah. So on his last night there, I ordered like this mountain of Indian food and he put it in a cooler and brought it down. And so whenever he got back, I think Saturday, I had like sag paneer and dal makhani and really good rice and uh, and some naan, which like the naan doesn't travel all that well, but that's one of those things that's kind of best immediately fresh but all the Indian food was great and so it's like this real treat because I don't get it very often when I'm up in Maryland we have it like once or twice a week because it's so good Uh, but that was my special thing is that I got Virage brought from Maryland to Florida along with this chair for me (laughs) for me to eat and it was delicious well that's nice you know you can get uh, paneer at Wegmans now Mm. So you can just buy a brick of paneer and make your own sag paneer or palak paneer. I should, I have made it before. Have you made your own ricotta cheese before? Because it's the same process. No, I've never made my own cheese, but we use the paneer a lot with the simmer sauces. Mm -hmm. And just throw it in. If you're ever up for it, um, you basically buy a gallon of whole milk and put it in a pot until it's like just simmering, right? Just at the boil point. And then squeeze in like a lemon or two until it separates. And then put it through like a cheesecloth or a nut milk bag. And the the curd that's left, like that's straight up ricotta cheese. You can use that in your lasagna or you can compress it into a block, like squeeze out more water. And then that gives you the paneer. If you just leave it pressed um, oh. like a tofu, 
like you get paneer. I've done it before and cut it up into chunks. And I think used the stuff I made with the simmer sauces. It's Because it's kind of expensive. So it would be yeah. a lot cheaper to just make your own. I never even thought about making my own. It's worth a try because it's literally just like the curdle the milk and strain it off. And okay. it's del- And especially like if you're using it as ricotta, like if you're doing like a ricotta and honey spread or like in lasagna, it's so much better than the store stuff. I've never bought paneer other than like if I buy like frozen sog paneer or something. Um, but worth it, worth a try. It's pretty easy. You know, it's, it takes like 10 minutes and then some waiting for it to firm up into a block. Okay. Well, we'll try it. We'll try it. I'll, maybe I'll look for a recipe for this week's recipe since we're sort of winging it at the end here. Yeah. I don't know how to do the spinach part of sog paneer. I'm, I've tried to make Indian food before and I suck at making it myself. I just never well, get the I, balance right. It's all right. in the spices, I think. Yeah. But mostly we just get the korma simmer sauce from Wegmans, which That's I good. think is the best. I do And too. then we just throw in some frozen spinach or some broccoli and chop up some paneer and then over rice. And oh my gosh, that yep. is just the best meal in the wintertime. For sure. Just love it. Yep. Okay, so listener mailbag. Yeah. It is my turn to ask you a question. Okay. And today's question is, you have said many times on the pod, and I'm going to go with like all your podcasts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you're an introvert and that you don't like interacting with people. Yeah. Yet you seem to have accomplished some pretty non-introverted stuff like public speaking and podcasting. How do you make your introverted self get out there? That's a great question. Uh, I do talk about this all the time <laughs> that I'm an introvert. So I, my introversion, and I think for a lot of introverts, manifests in like, it's not social anxiety necessarily. I mean, there's like always some anxiety coming with like social situations with people you don't know. But the thing that like I hate and get really drained by is like having to make small talk with people. Even people I know well, the people you know really well, you don't make small talk with, right? That you're talking about actual stuff. But whether it's colleagues or like, oh, if I have to go to a reception, like sometimes when I do these speaking events, they're like, come to our cocktail reception. And I'm like, you're going to have to pay me double to come to the cocktail reception. That sounds terrible. Um, And I think they think they're being nice. There was one place and they're like, okay, so we've got a cocktail reception and then coffee after the talk and then dinner that night. Um, we'd like you to come to all of that. And I think they think they're being nice that I get to come to all these free food things. And I, I literally told my speakers bureau, I'm like, they have to pay more if they want me at all of those things. And can you please not make me go to the dinner? Cause like sitting around at like eight person table with people I don't know, like trying to talk to them. I, I hate it so much. Um, so absolutely nothing makes me enjoy that. And I am exhausted by the end. A way that I get through it, because I do have to do it professionally sometimes, is that I kind of collect stories and anecdotes um, that are just like, you're the fun person at the cocktail party with the wacky story to tell. I collect those. Um, And that's how I do the speaking too, right? It's like, do you know about this bullshit that Facebook does? Like, let me tell you this fun story. Um, So that kind of gets me out of the awkwardness sometimes. I do a lot of storytelling Um, But like public speaking and, you know, podcasting or, you know, doing interviews and stuff, those don't push the introvert button. And I think that's not just for me. I think that's in general. There's a lot of introverts who are very good on stage because it's like structured 
And it's like you're not giving your emotional energy to feed someone else. Like there isn't a, you know, hopefully there's like an emotional energy with the audience, but it's not, I don't know, I think as an introvert, I feel a lot of times like extroverts are feeding off of me, like sucking my energy out and, um, and then I need to go be alone to recharge. And they're all excited after that. Cause like, I just sucked all this energy off of Jen, uh, like audiences being on stage isn't like that, right? Like there's a structure, you know, exactly what you're supposed to do hopefully it goes well but even if it doesn't like then you're sad that you did a bad job and not like drained that all those people took your energy because it's you're not interacting in the in it all the same way so i think it's worth exploring if you're introverted like how much of it is that you're you have anxiety about particular types of interaction like lots of people have public speaking anxiety but that's not necessarily an introvert thing right and then figure out what strategies help around that and then skip the rest of it i absolutely like if there's a party I have to go to or a reception, I make sure the person who expects me to be there has seen me and then I leave. Sometimes I am at a wedding for 15 minutes because it's like I said hello to the people who needed to see me. They're not going to know if I'm dancing for two more hours or if I left. You should just deploy me, the alternate gen, because I <laughs> love dinners. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I know and uh maybe i'll do that from now on like people who don't know we'll both i mean i wear a mask all the time anyway and our hair's about the same color yeah um yours is always neatly combed though mine's always a hot mess (laughs) you'd have to get contacts because i don't wear glasses but then i bet we could sub out because we're about the same size yeah yeah but i uh, i actually i love uh public speaking and then i love all of the crap that goes on before and after bless you I mean, I think that I'm legit happy for you because I know my life is harder because I don't enjoy it. So like enjoying it would be great, but I don't and I can't. I always uh, make Ben go to the functions because he's like you. He does. He doesn't want to go to the cocktail reception. And yeah. I'm like, we got to go. We got to be seen. And uh, and I will go and I will do all the glad handing for him. Yeah. I, a lot of those I'll go in and I'll like get a drink. Like, I will happily take the drink that they're making at the thing and then make sure that the person who invited me there sees me. Sometimes I have, like, gone out, because they're always at these fancy hotels, the speaking event things. So I'll go out and I'll, like, get my margarita and I'll say hi to, like, the, you know, two or three people who I have interacted with before the event. And then I will go back to my hotel room, sneak out with my margarita, go back to my hotel room for, like, an hour and then when I'm done with my margarita, go back to the reception with my empty glass, get another margarita, say hi. Then everybody thinks I've been there for an hour, like chatting, and I get two drinks and I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> well, it sounds like that is a system that works great for you. And and it, I don't know what else they can expect from you. Yep. You were there. Yep. So. It's fine. But I am a small talker. I will make small talk. I will make shit up. (laughs) It's a great life skill to have. I don't have it. But I have terrible social anxiety. So sometimes just getting me in the door is the tricky part. Yeah. But once I'm there, I am the life of the party. And I don't even drink. (laughs) We balance out to like one really good social person and then one person who will not leave the couch. (laughs) You know, if we could just divide it up in the right way. We'll have to work on that. We'll look at the interns on it. (laughs) So the other question from listener mailbag is uh, one that we get often. And that is, how did you two meet? 
Well, I mean, speaking of small talk and socializing, right? Um, so both of our ex-husbands, I mean, we didn't know this at the time. Um, my ex-husband somehow signed us up for this timeshare cruise bullshit thing. I found myself on a cruise and not like a, oh, it's like a luxury thing. And like you get to go and like just sit down at your own little table at this fancy restaurant. It's like the standard, everybody, you know, there's an eight top and you're sitting with a bunch of strangers and having your dinner together and you have to make small talk. Uh, if I didn't already want to divorce him, I would have wanted to divorce him for getting me into this thing. So I am on this cruise and at the table of people that I got sat with was Jen Coleslaw. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and like stare at my salad and I don't want to talk to anybody and I'm so mad. And you're so good at like just doing the chit chat. And, you know, we obviously click anyway, but it made it much easier um, and you also were not happy to be on said cruise, it turns out. Oh my God, I hate cruises so much mm-hmm. that I think that he signed, my ex-husband signed us up for the cruise just to be passive aggressive. Oh no. And so that was the <laughs> thing that, that, that linked us, right? That we yeah. both didn't want to be there and we both somehow were there because of our ex-husbands. And so once we figured that out, we had a plan. Yeah. Plan number one is get off this boat as soon as possible because it's not fun. I get seasick. I don't, I don't like it. And, and just everything about it sucked. So was it Grand Cayman? Is that where the stop was? It was one of those. It was one of the Caymans, I think. So the idea is get off the boat when we can get off the boat and like go have a drink and like hang out and commiserate. We obviously like hit it off right away at that first dinner. So we're going to like get off the boat and like go hang out and just like have a good time by ourselves. And we maybe did a little too much of that or maybe intended to not be keeping an eye on when we could get back on the boat um, because we missed the boat. Literally. Literally, we were like on whatever of the Caymans that it was. And, uh, oh, it's time to get back on the boat. And man, I didn't hear a single thing telling me to get back on that boat. Uh, And the boat left us on the Cayman Island. And it was a bit of a uh, an international um, event because um, our husbands uh, kind of were jerks and were like, well, where are our wives? Why didn't our wives come back? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, event, I mean, it was fine, but. Um, we can't be the first wives who didn't get back on the boat with their jerk husbands on a cruise. Like that has to happen more often. It was, it, we had such a great day though. It was great. Yeah. And I mean, we eventually got home and everything, at least for us, was fine. Like the husbands, you know, they got their own issues. They shouldn't have put us on that cruise in the first place. Um, but we did have a really good time. And and honestly, like, I mean, there's always this moment of panic of like, oh, no, the boat has left without us. And then you go like, wait a minute, like, I have money and can get home. And I am so relieved to not be back on that damn boat now we can just like do something that we want to do instead of what they would make us do. And now whenever something happens that we're really kind of relieved about, like our, we always say, well, that ship has sailed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, look, the ex-husbands get a few points for signing us up for that because 
we met each other, right? So none of this would have been possible without their stupid decisions. Um, I am never going on a cruise again, for sure. Nor I. And I never did. No, I, I mean, I did the one to the Galapagos, which I thought maybe would be better because it was like a way smaller boat and uh, it was also terrible. And like most of the places you stop in the Galapagos are uninhabited islands. But there was like one little town in the Galapagos we stopped at. And I was like, could I get out here and then find my way back home? But the answer is no. There's like one you have to fly quite a ways to get to the Galapagos Islands and there's only one airport and so I would have had to just get on a different boat and go to the airport so I had to get back on and I remember you texting me going get me home and I was like my dude I don't think I can get you home from there no like even if I had a billion dollars in a private jet I still would have had to get on somebody's boat to get to the airport on Baltra I think so I just finished yeah. it out. So note to marketing, um, don't have Viking call us. No princess, no celebrity, no cruises. No carnivals. No. No, no carnival cruise. Mm-mm. No. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that you liked our little peek into the process of how we make a podcast. Mm-hmm. I um, did. I, I enjoyed being able to tell you about it. Um, next week, we're going to cover the either the fascinating topic of stunt candy i'm excited about that one or what else might we talk about emus we we've got an episode in the works on emus that the interns have been pulling content for for a few weeks now so we've got we're trying to get um consumables to get some specific stunt candy for that episode so kind of depending on the timing of the consumable we may or may not do that Emus will come first if we don't. I promise we will not eat any emu-based snacks on the emu episode. Well, they though. do make eggs. Can you buy an emu egg? That's interesting. You can up here. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe that's a thing to do. Emu quiche. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, all right. Well, we not- really big cookies. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, so we may end up eating something emu based, but no emus will be harmed in the no, making of the episode. We will not eat any emus. Okay. Yeah. So, but until then, mm-hmm. remember be gentle with one another, but hard on the systems of oppression. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>